0: Welcome to the First Issue Club, we are your weekly comic book reading podcast. We're going to cover number one issues. It's is what we do. It's an accessible point for you to join us, whether you're an expert or a newbie. You're so nervous. What do I buy? What do I get? Do I look stupid if I buy Superman? Yeah. Do I look stupid if I buy Spider-Man? Yeah. It's, it's comics. You're stupid. <laughs> so... You—that's fun, you like them Yeah, don't
1: be ashamed Yeah, no, be stupid and be proud I like when you give the intro and you look into my eyes
0: You're right across from me
1: I know, but I just, I imagine I'm speaking
0: to you I'm actually looking through you Oh, okay (laughs) I'm looking into the cold blackness (laughs) of space That is your pupils And uh, the void helps calm me As I work (laughs) through these intros I'm here too. Greg. Greg is also here. here. Greg <laughs> also. and budget king. And I'm Mike D. Uh, we've got a ton of first issues. We read a lot of books. Uh, Spider-Man is a new arc starting, not technically a number one, but spiritually a number one. 75. It's a nice round. So number. yeah, we're going to be talking about it as well. Any comic book news before we get into it? Since we have so many books, do we just want to get to those? Uh, Greg was telling us about something that got optioned that we covered a
1: little bit ago, which is at least interesting. Yeah,
2: just a quick little hit. Um, the graphic novel, American Born Chinese by Gene Lin Wang, uh, got optioned for a Disney Plus TV show. He's known for writing the graphic novels Boxers and Saints, along with you know many other comic books in the industry. And I just thought it was really great because I loved the graphic novel when it came out. I think, Mike D., you and I read it. It's just exciting to see more representation in the industry for um, Asian peoples. I think it's great. Yeah, and I think Disney Plus is a good look. It's prime, prime
1: time. Mm-hmm. When it comes into the cord-cutting uh, networks, that's the top of the tier.
2: Yeah, you're set. Yeah. And then pirate the rest. Just steal it. Yeah. <laughs> And that's all the news I really had. It's pretty much business as usual as far as the comic book industry is yeah. Uh, right. concerned. Yeah, uh,
0: we got a lot of books, so we should do it. And as usual, Budget King read more comics than anyone else. <laughs> had to be the best. Greg and I did our best to read what we could, but you're going to run us down with your list of the top how many books? Okay, I read seven number one. You read seven number ones, so we're going to run through the ranking starting at seven. And
2: it's funny because last week's episode was the fifth week lull. Yeah. And now we are in a bounty
0: of books. Yeah. We're going to
1: cover seven number ones on this episode. That's insane.
0: So crazy. Can you believe it? It's like we didn't know when we were just finding out now. <laughs> I know. It's like we woke up one day. We're like, oh, we do a podcast about comic books. Maybe we should do some pre... Wait, I read comics today? <laughs>
2: Wait, What? <laughs> Um, All right, so you doing top to bottom? I'm gonna do
1: do yeah. We've done this before. It's a massive hit when we when we do it. And uh, (laughs) And if you
0: don't know how lists work, (laughs) (laughs) so we're
1: gonna be doing yeah the worst to the best. But I'm gonna preface this, and I actually mean this this time. There were no bad books this week. Yeah, there was none. None of them were like not great. I wasn't mad about anything I read. Yeah, so. Uh, even if you get a lower score on this, you still had a good book,
2: right? You should be proud. Yeah, you should For be prou- all the creators that listen to our show. Proud her, that so. you
1: even made the fucking list, because a uh, couple books that didn't make this that we didn't even read was the uh, Wonder Woman hundredth anniversary. That's not gonna be on our list. That's yeah. an anthology book.
2: That's hard to cover anyway. Yeah,
1: and then um, Marvel had a one-off book that was like the Defenders get defiled. Whoa, <laughs> dark dark Hold defiled. So, oh, so, yeah, that's part of the Darkhold event yeah, that's so going they're, on. Yeah, so instead of being defenders, they're defiled. And so, uh, but it's like this, like, cosmic horror book. It's a one-off yeah. that people were kind of, like, into. We're not covering that.
2: And there was a... a here's, here's what Marvel did with that book. They saw <laughs> DC Death Metal, and they're like, yeah. how can we do something similar? Yeah,
1: I would say and that. And that's why we have Darkhold. I would say that's true. Uh, The other thing they were not covering is there was a heavy metal book that was a one-off and there is an AWA one-shot or AWA upshot book called Out set in World War II and has zombies which actually looks pretty cool but we just aren't covering it so maybe great not going to be on our list of seven
0: books. Hey, I know it's one, you know, some creators dream come true to have their book talked about on First Issue Club. But I know, our inbox is filled with requests. Some weeks, you just
2: got to say tough shit, man. Right, your check didn't clear, so we're not covering your book.
1: All right, see ya. Um, all right, my number seven, which I think we're starting out controversial, is on Aftershock by Brian Bucilato. Hayden Sherman, it is Chicken Devil, which maybe has the best cover.
2: It does have a very great cover. I I really enjoyed this book. You guys brought up a pretty good point about how it is a carbon copy of the hit Netflix series Ozark. Which, when you said it, I was angry because I didn't realize that's what I was reading. Uh, but I thought the artwork was really dynamic. It was really kind of explosive, no pun intended, and kind of like really made me feel like I was stressed out and like had a really upbeat pace of like I was being chased down by gangsters.
1: Yeah. It is written really well. And it but I mean there's no other description than this than it is Ozark mm-hmm. except for instead of whatever he was doing accounting, it's a restaurant business. Yeah. A chicken business. Right. And the chicken devil part is that he's sent on an errand to he's trying to like save himself and he wears the chicken mascot. So he becomes the chicken devil.
0: Yes. <laughs> Which I it looks just like this. Do you guys remember the San Diego chicken? Uh-huh. No, the, oh, I'm not familiar. AKA the famous chicken. He had like several different names, but it was this chicken mascot that used to like go to all the ballparks and somehow like yeah. transcended being a mascot for like one team or area and became like just Vague sports mascot (laughs) Was always Always causing trouble Always getting into the mix Yep Fighting the other mascots Stuff like that Yeah Um, I remember seeing him When I was a kid This looks so much like that But with a He was like the super
1: mascot I kind of remember this He was guy. like the
0: mascot
2: of
1: baseball. He no dun- specific could, team. Did just- he dunk? No, he didn't. He wasn't in basketball. <laughs> no, they didn't really
0: dunk in basketball. You know what? He had some decent hops. <laughs> he had ups. He had mad ups. He was probably a- uh, uh, Probably like nine feet tall. <laughs> yeah, he was probably a good nine feet tall. He probably could get one down, actually. Okay. Just put it right in your beak and uh, float on down. We're going to Google it for Budget King so he can see. Okay, I feel like you he remember was this guy dunking though. Did he never dunk? I'm sure he he dunked. I'm sure at one two. point in his in his career he dunked. He mostly pointed. He probably he would dunks like,
2: hey. on haters. <laughs>
1: Actually, did you know he represents an actual chicken firm? A chicken like a lawyer the gen- firm. This like uh, this chicken thing? I don't know if that's true or not. That's a sandwich. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Yeah. He's oh, seeing
0: oh. pictures of. Chicken sandwiches. With Ronald Reagan. There are famous chicken sandwiches, and then there's the famous chicken (laughs) mascot. They're not related. No. (laughs) Got it. Okay, it does look exactly like that. If you
1: Google "famous chicken," you'll see a guy that looks like the cover wow, of this. I of this love book.
2: this photo I'm seeing right now. This the might famous be my new desktop. And Ronald Reagan uh, is that Bob, is that Bob <laughs> hoisting D- hands in the <laughs> air getting, in victory? <laughs>
0: he's getting the Medal of Freedom. Wait, I think that's Bob. Dole. It's
1: Bob Dole, right? <laughs> that's no, that's Ronald, Ronald Reagan.
0: Ronnie Reagan. Reagan. Oh shit, man!
1: Hell yeah! Oh shit, dude! Shit, man! Oh my god! I thought dude, I knew dude. my.
0: I thought I knew my Bob Dole's. Uh, oh. Oh snap!
1: <laughs> I didn't realize how famous that fucker was.
2: So at the at the bottom of the list, the the foundation of this list, which has to be the strongest book to hold everything up, <laughs> is the Chicken Devil. Yeah,
1: I mean, maybe for its lack of originality, not for its great artwork and yeah. uh, the action was good. It was it's an entertaining read. Um, yeah. I also think that it was probably my most anticipated book. Sure. And so that is why it got a little bit of a lesser score. I was excited for a new Aftershock book. I the like I said the cover and title looked insane. I will say this about this book, I kind of feel like they went with this thing that's popular right now, which is to like go maximal on your name and cover and mm-hmm. like seem like kind of off the wall crazy, and then it's like it's actually just a pretty straightforward like uh well I mean it's straightforward as the premise of Ozark is. Yeah. comic. So Okay, my sixth book is another book that you did not read. This book is a scout book, which we didn't even talk about covering, but I got mainly for the cover uh, and the name of it. It is a book called Mullet Cop mm-hmm. by Tom Lintern, his first comic, and it's a giant comic.
2: This, when I flipped through it when you showed me it, I said to myself, yes, this is a Budget King comic book. <laughs> in yeah. premise,
0: in style. In just the whole vibe of it, screamed Budget King, and I would guess ninety-eight percent of people listening would like Chicken Devil better than whatever Mullet Cop is. Sure, I could see that, but on originality
1: alone, Mullet Cop is kind of amazing. Okay, it looks like uh, this uh, ma-
0: kind of seems like a Paul, poor man's Paul Blart. <coughs> yes, exactly. There we go. Hey, <laughs> uh,
1: mixed with uh, um. Who's the angry guy that's like the pitcher, east of bound and down? Kenny Powers. Yeah, there we go. Ken, yep. it, it looks as if Kenny Powers is the main character. Mm-hmm. And mullets are like. Don't. Like, they're not. No, kinda, they're what? not making a comeback. No, I was, no I'm, I'm saying they're not making a comeback. I said like it's kind of like, that's like a thing you talked about like 10 years ago. So it's a little dated to like talk about mullets. It's vintage. Yeah. So I didn't really love the mullet thing. But in general, happens in a mall. I love malls. It's cyberpunk. I love cyberpunk. It's violent. It's weird. It's Adult Swim. It's pink. It's neon. And it's really just funny and odd. And it's also a lot of bang for your buck. It's on Scout. And Scout's trying to, you know, get your money. And here they got my money. The My one major, major criticism of this book is that he did his own lettering. And it gave me a headache because he handed it and like the words are like spaced weird and it gives you like this zine feel, which is, again, probably why I like this book, mm-hmm. but uh, made it hard to read so much stuff.
2: There's a lot of stuff here going on. I have a question. Since I didn't read this. Yes. The title of the book is Mullet Cop. He's barely a cop, which is odd. That's not the part I want to focus okay. on. Okay. Is a, is the mullet a big part of the comic book? Okay. So the premise of what happens is- Or he just has one. Is there there is a There's all these Segway cops-
1: and they get in a gunfight. This fight. is Paul Blart. They yes, it is. They get in a fight in a mall, and this guy gets shot in the head. He was a mall cop, mm-hmm. and but he had a metal plate in his head. And when they like reveal his face, he's grown a mullet. So they give him like this secret identity to become the new, uh, I guess security guard of this mall. Mm-hmm. And he has to get some. He gets a magic microwave.
2: Okay. I I I would have appreciated this comic more if it had a different name. Yeah, agree. Totally agreed. Mullet Cop is too literal. It's like Axe Cop. The, the, well, Axe Cop was like an is like satire. Mullet Cop, it like it it it, it sounds like it doesn't take itself seriously. Like this comic seems like it, like trying to tell like a fun story. Mullet Cop makes it sound like it's like a joke. It, oh, it, no, it, it this comic's a joke. But it's like it's also like has a story. Well, I'm the, not saying this
1: is like a brew breaker, like novel yeah. or anything, but no, it it this comic doesn't take itself seriously, but it's like delivered really well. Okay. the The thing is, is that the the author is so new that I think it he didn't know exactly where to situate it in between comedy and actual comic, so it like it's jarring to read. Mm-hmm. It was fun read. I honestly only read it because it looked like a cyberpunk comic, and then it was, and I was like, great, it was awesome. Or
0: the Three stories connected. Yes, they're all mullet cop stories. You
1: get you get a banger of a comic, like just a beefy hamburger of a beef boy comic in this one. So you you'll get started off right. I believe the entire comic is already written, um, in like hardback form. It's one of those types of things. Oh, gotcha. so It exists somewhere else. There's a Patreon for it. Enough with mullet cop. Check it out if it's your thing. It might not be. Who knows. Going back in the list now, um, I believe that my next book pick here is, and here we're getting into the real good stuff, like the hot, hot, hot stuff. This one's going to be Arkham City, The Order of the World. You did read this. I
0: did. What would you think? I was a fan, but I'm also reading a lot of Batman titles right now. And I think if I wasn't, I would be like, what the hell is happening? It all branches out of, like A-Day stuff where the Joker slash Scarecrow or something kills a bunch of people at Arkham and other people escape. And I kind of like that there's a book that follows up on the repercussions of that because it just peppers the world a little more. And the fact that it's kind of told like a horror, it makes it a lot more interesting. Like it's, there's this Twisted psychological take on it, where the last psychologist that worked at Arkham is trying to track down her patients and outthink them, and she's in cahoots with some of them. It's very complex, and its weakness lies within uh, having to have read so many Batman books to kind of follow it.
1: Yeah, I think that it is at times so anti-hero that you don't really. It's just it's more of a horror book because you're not, the protagonist is not really clear. Yeah. Like, because there's these escaped Arkham people, of which the only one that I really recognized was the Mad Hatter. Um, and there's, like, there is actually some new characters, some first appearances in this as well. Yeah. And the nurse is essentially trying to retrieve them and not have them killed. But the book starts off with, like, essentially the rat king or a rat guy uh, who's hiding underneath a kid's bed who ate their kitty and might eat the kid. He was trying to gear himself up to eat a person. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't quite get there. That's about the tone of this book.
0: Is it's it's pretty brutal. It's not on Black Label. It's not I could that not believe brutal. it wasn't on Black Label. I know. Out we've re, out of anything, it seems like this was just tonally like <laughs> this fucked er, up. This
1: <laughs> earned bla- they need to do some revamping with Black Label. Yeah, they really do because this earned every
0: ounce of Black Label. This is brutal. Yeah. I don't know if it's because it falls directly in the continuity of the Batman line right now that they were like, Ugh, "Can't technically be Black Label because it's not Elseworldian." You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I know. I I think you're right. Though. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, but um, we love Danny. She did Coffin Bound and has done some Wonder Woman stuff. Her artwork rips. So this is the actual entire Coffin Bound team. Is it really? Yeah. Dan Waters. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, and, the, and then Dan Waters also did another book that we really liked called Homesick Pilots. I don't know if you remember that yes. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That book ripped so good. So Dan Waters is actually super awesome. Like, so this book in itself is great. It is a little complex. I didn't have that tough, I, I like, actually the uh, synopsis of this is really, really helpful uh-huh. to read. If you're going to read it, it'll set the tone of, like, what Joker did and what's happening. And then you it dips you into, like, kind of just, go through it it's a lot like seven like i think you're kind of like getting like these fucked up people and trying to understand them as people but then they're actually just fucked up and do you really care so it's more of a horror book but the artwork danny's artwork is just insane it's so good for horror too and and uh we're on a first name basis with danny because <laughs> danny just has one name yeah she's a one name person
0: <laughs> i love that dc seems like They've really embraced some weirder independent seeming creators that like, I I just can't imagine 20 years ago, anyone with a style like Danny doing a big two book. Oh, I totally and, understand. And yeah. now there's a lot of, I would say more so DC books that get released that are more interesting visually and have more twisted, weird stories than... Yeah, I, I would say Marvel.
1: Surprise, there'll be another DC book on our list Ooh. with another uh, interesting artist. Okay, for the next book, which I believe comes in at number four, four through seven, so midway through, mm-hmm. is the Oni Press book, Dirtbag Rapture. Did you guys read this book?
0: Yes. Yes, I did.
1: Do you think it earns the fourth place?
0: Uh, so far out of the books listed, I think it's the best one out of those. Okay. Yeah. It was
2: actually a surprise of how much I enjoyed this book.
0: I felt like I read a trade. Oh yeah. It Mm -hmm. was big big boy. Like or lots of words at least. Yeah. Normal sized comic. Yeah. Very dense, but super engaging throughout. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like a just an awesome premise executed really, really well. Like it's this young woman who is essentially like an arc for lost souls. Like a ferryman that will take them where they need to go for whatever amount of money they need to pay to be transported, and she has like a a mind motel where she keeps them all to keep them organized, which I thought was fucking amazing.
1: Honestly, the character this is one of the best character developments I have read this year, mm-hmm. ma- and maybe in the last five years. The main character is not a traditional female body type that you see, right. which I love. Yep. is a complete asshole but, like, endearing in a, like, really, really developed way. Right. Because like, it's hard to write a character that's just not, like, straight asshole or in that you, like, like or whatever. Well,
2: she's an asshole, but you know why she's an asshole. Right, and you get it.
1: Yeah. She's addicted to flying because it's one of the only places where she can escape ghosts asking her for help.
0: Yes, one of the rules of this book is that when you die, your soul is stuck within basically a three block radius. So <laughs> unless you died like midair and she's oh. just going to jet through your space, like there's no way of getting to her. Such a fun premise. Yeah.
1: I love it. And then the fact that you get revealed that like she actually has like a mind hotel where she can kind of host them. Mm-hmm. My o- The only reason. Like why- a hostel. Yeah. A haunted oh. hostel. Oh, she also has like lots of drugs. Like this book is thick. There's lots of there's two different like drug spiral scenes that she has where she kind of like one she actually
2: dies. That yeah, that's like how she gains her powers. She does a bunch of cocaine <laughs> and then smokes a blunt with DMT in it. Yes, and her heart stops and she's she dies for a minute and is brought back to life and that is what uh, maybe activates her powers of seeing the dead and being able to uh, transport them. Right, and then I think she says. She uses drugs as a coping mechanism after she's done a job to like kind of shut everything out. My
1: own, the only reason why this is number four and maybe not number three for me is that the hotel concept, like in her head, was so cool and so awesome mm-hmm. that I like wanted, like, that was enough for me. And the fact that she just needs to like get paid and stuff. Mm-hmm. And three pages to the end, they add this whole other like demons versus angels concept into the story that I was like, "Mm, I'm not sure we needed that. I agree.
0: (laughs) It was very out of left field. Yeah.
1: I think it's the premise of the movie Legion or something like that. It's in Preacher as well. I mean, it's just like we get it. Angels are bad. You can write it like that if you want. It didn't need it. And the book was so good outside of this. Yeah.
0: And I think it had the book not been so dense. You kind of, with lighter fare and getting a twist at the end of a first issue, it feels like natural that you would get some sort of like hook and be like, oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. But since we'd already spent what felt like three comic books with the character and then got the twist, yeah, that's what made it feel like it was too out of left field for me. Mm-hmm. Also, I just want to give more props to like the thing we've noted a couple of times is that it's interesting how she gets paid, which... Like, the people dying obviously don't have cash on them. Right. And can't just say, like, make a withdrawal from my debit account. They have to tell her, like, personal information so she can then later blackmail people. Right. Or, like, something really crazy.
2: Yeah, or, like, they give her, like, a treasure map of where they've
0: buried money. (laughs) Right. And she has to go find it, hoping that there's money there. Yeah, I love that whole angle that she's getting money in fucked up ways.
1: Sometimes we critique... First issues for not being good because we didn't get enough, and we're like, "What happened there? What is this?" Yeah, this is a great example of like they almost put too much. <laughs> yeah, into the first issue, but it like, I think putting a lot into your first issue is normally a good bet. I feel like image often does this.
0: The double sized image
1: books, yeah, are great. Um, so it's it's a good move. Good job Oni Press for making a great book. Um, okay, I mean, good good for my number three. Yes, Chris okay. Sabella wrote that book. The one we just talked about. Thank you. What do we know Chris Sabella from? He did Crowded. Crowded. Which is
2: allegedly supposed to be a movie with uh, Rebel Wilson. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so So we'll see how that pans out. But he's written some- Oh,
1: he also did Demonic. He did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, House of Mock. He's done some
2: bangers. Okay. So another one. Another one. Okay.
1: My number three is a DC book. It is called Soul Plumber. I skipped this one. It is the second book on their DC horror line.
2: Mm-hmm. The first one was uh, the Conjuring or something. Yeah, it's a, yeah, the Conjuring in comic book form. Why? Okay, one, there was Hill House. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Hill House is gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which Hill House, for those who don't know, was their horror line, which they like dove deep into when we really loved. And then I was like, okay, what was the first DC horror book? It must have been Nice House on the Lake no no that's its own standalone horror dc book Uh huh. that's not on dc horror which again odd dc really needs to work on their sub branding
2: they really really do <laughs> their maybe their... just bring back vertigo <laughs>
1: their sub branding is fucking yeah that's exactly why they're fucked is they don't have a vertigo to throw all this shit on mm-hmm. they're just like oh we're dc horror or we're just a random james <laughs> <laughs> book. james Tunyon's
2: running amok at dc yeah
1: so then i looked at it and there's like this conjuring book which uh, is it is it tied to the movie? It is tied to the movie. Okay, it is tied to the movie. Okay. Sorry. So I was wrong. So this is the second book on DC horror. It's called Soul Plumber. It is you're probably going to not hear a lot of buzz on it, but it is wonderful. And it is written by one of the people if not more than one of the people of the producers of this podcast called The Last House on the Left. So the premise here is that there's this like very very religious person who mm-hmm. is so religious He's, like, nutty, essentially. He gets kicked out of seminary for Catholics, and he works at a gas station. But he's trying to save, like, the homeless punks around him, and he gets caught up in, like, a scheme of a guy that's essentially saying, I can sell you a device that will exercise the demons out of people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And as a reader, you see that this guy's a charlatan, that, he's, that the, the device doesn't work. But there was, like, some blueprints that existed a little bit that could have maybe worked, but he doesn't really know how they work, and he's just selling the machine and making a shit ton of money. And this guy is so, like, enthralled with, like, his purpose of serving God that he steals the blueprints, builds it, and, like, actually starts doing exorcisms with oh, okay. this, like, weird, mm-hmm. like, device that he built from a junkyard. Does it actually work? it seemingly works at the end okay. of the book right and so the it, <laughs> there's always just this tinge of like the way that the homeless people were are they're, they're not home they're drug addicts were written is like very eerie the like there's always there's like this sense of eeriness but nothing like overtly too like scary uh-huh. but it's like it's enough. it's more like tales from the crypt like it's enough creepy that you're like ooh and it was—it just was a really fun way to write a horror book. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, for a book I didn't give a shit about, I was glued to every single word, every page. Wow. So, and it's a one in six. It's it, it definitely a fun read, and it's a—it's de- a nice spin on a horror. So.
2: Yeah, that's a, a great review
1: there. I, I I really liked it. It had some stiff competition, which will go into my number two book, which is honestly. The main news of this whole podcast is probably my number two book, because we could talk about this for a while. Mm-hmm. I have The Amazing Spider-Man, number 75, which is actually a number one, a number one arc, I guess, as yeah. my number two book.
0: Sure. Overall. So let's get into it. Yep. The Beyond series of Spider-Man sees Zeb Wells and an entire team of Marvel writers, kind of a who's who of people at Marvel right now, mm-hmm. writing the book because they're going to be doing several issues a month instead of a bi-weekly or single monthly Three book. a month. It's going to be three a month. So more people on deck to write this and a change in direction for the story. Spoilers for the last arc. Harry Osborne, Peter's best friend, the Hobgoblin, has died. Mm-hmm.
2: For real this time.
0: We'll see. And honestly, like, kind of like enough with the Osborns at this point. They've been around for like... 800 issues. Mm -hmm. I could take or leave Mm -hmm. (laughs) Harry being involved in these stories, but it gives Peter something to feel anguish about. Um, But the arc is called the Beyond series because the Beyond Corporation is this group that's kind of puppeteering Ben Riley, Spider Man's clone. Mm -hmm. So if you remember Scarlet Spider from the 90s, if you were a kid and there was Spider Man in a hoodie, that is Spider Man's clone. And he's back. This corporation has hired him to be their, I guess, heroing tool. And he goes about and solves problems. Mm-hmm. And he's essentially kind of an Iron Man version of Spider Man because he has like a lot extra of extra tech. Yeah. Because he's backed by an organization. Mm-hmm. He gets paid major money. So he probably has like sponsorship deals and beyond has their hands in other things. Right. There's. And there's this whole kind of arc about copyright and how
1: the copyright of Spider-Man can technically be bought.
2: Yes. Right. And and they're like... Because Peter had Parker Industries and he he copyrighted Spider-Man. Yeah. The name Spider-Man. And when he had to sell Parker Industries, he forgot to take that paperwork with him when he sold it off. And so the Beyond Corporation now owns the trademark and copyright for the name Spider-Man. Yeah. Which is awesome. Which is kind of a fun dynamic and like a weird storyline to play off of, of just like can Peter be called Spider Man anymore? Or call himself Spider Man. Yeah,
0: for how complex the idea sounds of bringing Spider Man's clone back into this, mm-hmm. it actually read like a back to basics sort of thing. Oh, that's what—that's why it's so high to me. Just yeah. because Spider Man's been so convoluted for so long that just referencing clone character that's one of the most popular characters throughout the run of Spider-Man mm-hmm. um, just made this an easier lighter read. It wasn't super dense like a lot of the Nick Spencer books were. Right. You you felt like take it or leave with Nick Spencer. You were excited to get a new writer. Yes. I've been kind of bored with the Nick Spencer stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. And he, he spent 75 issues kind of gearing up for this kindred villain and then the reveal of that character just fell really flat on its face for me. You feel bitter about it because you've got... I've got over 100 Spider-Man comics he, he wrote in my boxes over here that, like... You can give I just, shit about. Yeah, I just don't care. That is, that's a big investment. And when you walk away from it, the lasting repercussions of it are that Harry Osborn died. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of other... I mean, there's other things that happen, but there's such minor character details that... It just doesn't leave a lasting impression for me.
2: Yeah. It seemed like a big production to tie up some loopholes and some loose ends from a storyline that was 20 years old. Yeah. 20 to 30 years old. And I, Nick Spencer is an old head Spider-Man fan. And that's what story we got. We got an old head, just like really into the weeds, so web head story.
0: Speaking of that, Arthur Adams is the... Cover artist, the cover artist of this, which yes. is which is pretty cool. Like I love, he always makes a point of drawing the little <laughs> holes for the web shooters uh-huh. on the wrists, oh, and I'm cool. like, no one does that but him. Uh huh. So fun. I know he's uh, he's one of my favorite artists. Yeah, it's definitely dynamic, and like you could tell an Art
2: Adams from across the room. Totally. And this this cover A was a wraparound, and it had yes. Peter and Ben on there. When yes. It was oh. Chef kiss. It was so good. (laughs) So
1: anyway, I think one of the things, just from a casual Spider-Man viewer, is that when the variants got previewed for this, Uh one of them was that Peter was in bandages, so there's a lot of speculation on like, is this run going to kill Peter Mm -hmm. uh, or end him or something? And so Peter does get injured in this to the point that he will be... Hospitalized the next issue. At least the next issue, and maybe for a while. And maybe Ben will actually be the Spider-Man of choice for a little bit of the arc here. Yeah,
0: well, and Peter got hurt because of Ben. So there's some fun questions here around, like, is Ben just the better Spider-Man at this point? (laughs) But also, you got to think about that He's being kind of puppeted by a corporation which Oh is, 100%, which is never good. I don't trust the beyond corporation as far
2: as I can throw. yeah
0: they have we haven't gotten a ton of details in that. Mm-hmm. I know one of the things with like the, the maybe the most inside confusing aspect of this new arc is bringing this character Janine back in who was that redhead who looked like Mary Jane. But it had that, the bob haircut? Yes. Mm-hmm. So they gave her a bob just so I think when you're drawing redhead characters in comics, you can just clearly be like, okay, mm. this one's Janine and that one's Mary Jane. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Janine is a character that Ben fell in love with in like the you know n- mid-'90s clone saga. She, she's not a clone of Mary Jane, is she? No. Okay. She's her own person, okay. has had her like own... Demons that she identified with Ben with. She got like kidnapped and had to fake her death mm. because of Clone Saga bullshit. Cool. And eventually got like, went to jail, got released from jail, blah, blah, blah. These are the sort of characters and details you're just like, why keep putting them in comics? It's so convoluted at this point. Mm-hmm. But because she was a love interest of Ben Riley in the past, the Beyond Co- Corporation reached out to her and i think hired her to help recruit ben and now they've got them both right mm-hmm. so they can manipulate ben in one way and they can manipulate janine in another way mm-hmm. and thusly manipulate the two of them yeah so it's just like it, it, it kind of seems like power moves are adding up for the beyond corporation
2: and you wonder what's the motivation of the beyond corporation because right now all we know is that they have been on their payroll right like are they going to eventually hire other superheroes or you know like what's their is their purpose just to protect
0: New York or the world like it's going to be interesting to see what spills out from that yeah and we got peeks into side stories where beyond is going and hiring doctors who mm-hmm. help rehabilitate clones and yada 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 right so are they're gonna be the bad guy at some point. Oh <laughs> they but, they seem show like so shadowy corporation. Yeah. And and it's gonna end up being Ben's ability to be manipulated mm-hmm. that makes Peter the better Spider Man, I think. Yep. Otherwise they're like identical, right? Right. Um Ben's always been a character as a Spider Man fan that I felt awful for because he has all of Peter's oh, God. memories, but like they're not uh, quote- unquote his but they're not his. he's just got to step away from it his whole thing is wanting to help people and yeah give it up to be a hero and he can't do it yada yada. so it's I I'm having fun with him being back in it.
2: I felt something while reading this, which I can't say I felt anything while reading the Nick Spencer stuff <laughs> uh-huh. like there was some humor and some depth to Ben and Peter. Through Zeb Wells's writing, yeah. that I think had been lacking for a while, there was like these fun, humorous moments between uh, Peter and Ben that I thought were really genuine. That I, I am really gonna miss now that Peter is gonna be in the, gonna be in the hospital for at least the next few issues. Yeah. So I think this is gonna be a lot of fun watching this team take over Spider-Man. Same, a bold new direction.
1: Yeah. So this is a great book and. Uh, it took a great book to beat it out. Otherwise, this would have been number one, I feel like, for me. Yeah. It was a wonderful book. And not being on the Spider-Man line, it was an easy entry. I think that's why I ranked it so high, As I was like, yeah. I can get into this. I like this. Um, it's fun to be at the center of the changing of the
0: tides for Spider-Man. Yeah. You, I think you have to be a comic book fan mm-hmm. to enjoy it. You don't have to be a Spider-Man whiz to enjoy it. No,
2: you have to know a few base things because they don't really explain who Ben is. Like, if you're just, like, a new person off the street, you're just like, oh, who's this Ben guy?
1: I think it would be fine, though. I think you can be like, oh, they're friendly. I think the fact that he's a clone will get revealed to you if you didn't know that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, like, it's more about the corporation controlling him than just him being a clone. Totally, yeah. So... The number one book that I have, and I hope you're in agreement with this, is this book called A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, which is by Rick Remender, uh, who did Deadly Class, Tokyo Ghost, a lot of Marvel books, a lot of people's favorite Marvel books. And this book was insane because I did not expect it. It's on image and there's almost no words in it. It was very sparse. Uh, which is odd. And the artwork is, like, stunning. It's impeccable. But the story, it's slow and paced, and then it's, like, hits you like a ton of bricks. And it, it just was, like, it blew my mind. I, yeah. I was enthralled, and I was like, this is a series I'm on now. Like, I'm, like, full-on, like, excited to to get this and, and stay on it.
0: Uh, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but it, I'm always reminded of the movie Drive. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you have these, like, slow-paced, monotonous sort of stories where you're just getting, like, a vibe for someone's day and then it gets insane, like, after it's lulled you into complacency, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, oh, my God, it makes that moment feel, like, that much more real and crazy.
1: Especially yeah. because you kind of get this element, like, he's a ticking time bomb. <laughs> this the, guy, main, the main character. Uh, and he's also a very, very good person, although conflicted. yeah. In the like intro calls it the professional meets road to perdition, uh-huh. which are both characters like you're describing from drive the yeah. driver. Like um, so, yeah, I think it's a really good apt comparison here.
0: I don't really know. And, and maybe you can tell more from reading the synopsis of this book, but there's very little to know, like how this guy knows different things. I mean, they they kind of shoot to his memories when he shows up at this house at the end and there's like a heinous crime scene there's this really slick guy being like ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, and you just see a picture of it and then he's like fuck i need to clean up the crime scene make it look like i was never here and bounce so you know that he's like in on something well right? no well i mean so okay cuz otherwise you would just call the cops well so oh that's a and good just point just be like holy shit my friends were murdered you know what i mean so I'm like, why was he there? How does he know these people? Does he know these people? Well, so the was only he sent thing, to kill them? It's so sparse. So this, this is what we know, because I had to read it twice.
1: Uh-huh. He bumps into somebody at a grocery store, and it freezes all of these elements that fall out of that, that bag. Uh-huh. When he gets to this house, he realizes those are all the murder instruments that got used oh, on those people. Shit. So he—that's the guy he flashes he back to. Flashes back to realizing it was the killer that he ran into at the grocery store.
0: Yes. So
1: that's his flashback,
0: and he's like, "I touched all those groceries." Yes,
1: and 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 that's what that scene was yeah, exactly. Fuck. Okay. And, which Did is amazing. Not catch that yeah. at all? And so and the murder instruments here is. It's very graphic, but it's
0: like, like broken light bulb, light stuck bulbs stuck in,
1: the, yeah, like and it's like sticking out of them. It's like torturous. Mm-hmm. So somebody's getting like some fetish, weird killing thing off of them. Drano, duct tape to their mouth type of thing. Mm-hmm. So he sees, he realizes he saw the killer. the 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 thing that is odd that we don't know is why was he at this house and we only know two things he was looking at his phone and there was a sex trafficking article he was reading a sex trafficking article and then he was and he's looking at a google maps that was like taking him to so he didn't he had to like map out how to get to this remote place uh-huh. so we'll, we'll figure that out i guess in some ways but like those are the only th- things that we know right now otherwise we just went through this guy's day of going from bus to bus to bus and the I've, character
0: development and the things that happened to him even I, though sparse are like they enrich him as a character so much the yeah. dead bird thing.
1: He has to go and kill a bird, like a mercy kill a bird for <laughs> yeah. a kid. he
0: like lets a bunch of old people onto
1: a bus instead of him and gets wet, and like it just constantly shows like he's actually a pretty good guy, yeah, so we know we're rooting for him and his intentions are good, but he also knows he knows something, or I don't even know why he ended up at this house, and we don't know why that is no. Um, but it was a great book. It so Ed it, it, Ed Brubaker is not a fair comparison here, although I've seen that g- being thrown around. Because this is more than like noir crime. This is, I mean, pretty original. Actually, it's it's an interesting thing to be like not give you much in a first comic and like hook you and make you care and like understand what's going on.
0: Um, it's truly artistic. I mean, it was this was a great great comic, and I think he's maybe starting an imprint i'd never heard of whatever that little orange logo is there on the giant cover giant generator giant generator i never heard that before image lets you do this fucking
1: thing which blows my mind is yeah. like they'll always throw these other names on things mm-hmm. um and i'm just like I- i'm fine i guess like <laughs> yeah. yeah like i don't understand. i mean i guess with with deadly class being so successful they can kind of like let rick do a skybound thing if yeah. if that's what they're going to let this happen do um, I didn't see any like, pro- I also like don't get just throwing a sub brand on a comic and not giving you any story as to why that's there. Mm. We might be the only three people in the world that give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> about <laughs> that. So um, anyway, great book and somewhat of like, a, I guess probably for the opposite reason of Chicken Devil is I had almost no expectations of this. I just was like, cool, Recommender image book. Let me check it out. Yeah. And then it like way exceeded them.
0: And it was, this was the last book I read out of the group, and I think it being the least dense, it also made it seem extremely fresh. And the vibe of it was just so stark and different than the rest of the comics, which were more like fun, zany, superhero-y, or off-the-wall and mm-hmm. intense. And this one was like very subdued and cinematic. So great standout book this week. Definitely my Pick of the week. Whoa. Pick of the week. I'm glad we
1: agreed. Last time we did this, I was way off on you guys. Yeah.
0: The only thing was, yeah, I I, I liked Chicken Devil, but I honestly, I don't know what I necessarily would have put it above right. from your e- list. I e- think I would basically have the same list, except for I didn't read a couple of the yeah. books that you read. Yeah. I would be interested
1: to see where you play Soul Plumber if yeah, you actually read it. Right, that's my main. I almost bought it,
2: but probably above m- Mullet Cop. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess. Hey, I read it, so I stuck it in the list. Yeah, good for you. Uh,
1: I did also like partially read the Scott Snyder There Be Demons book, which
2: and that's exclusively on Comixology, yeah.
1: Correct. There's yeah. It's not f- free though. It is free if you are uh, un- unlimited. Uh, unlimited, yeah, but it's not free. You're right, it's, it's it's thick, there's a lot, and it's also Scott Snyder Try to like the way that he does horror is he tries to like tell you it's horror over and over again. And uh-huh. sometimes I can like take or leave Scott Snyder to be honest.
0: I there are certainly books of his that I've loved, and other ones have been like, nope, no way, no thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not, I a, really like Noctara, yeah, I love it, yeah. yeah I love and uh, there's a lot of like talk about
1: how that book's gonna get adapted and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But anyway, so that's probably another book worth, another number one worth talking about. Man, what what an October Wednesday. What a a journey. What a journey. What a comic book journey. The only journey worth going on.
2: (laughs) Uh, I think we're going to get a theme these next four episodes. It's going to be some spooky books because we're in the spookiest month of the year. So bring your blankets to hide under, folks, because it's going to be a spooky first issue club episode. Can you hear our eyebrows raising? And our teeth chattering. <laughs> do you guys have your costumes picked out for Halloween? Yes, I'm going as a tired dad.
1: Oh, nice. I'm going as the chef from The Little Mermaid. Oh, cool. Uh, is your daughter going as Little Mermaid? Uh, One of my daughters is going as Sebastian. Se- Sebastian. Hell yeah. So I'll be holding her. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah. Is she going to do that voice? Uh yeah, my six-month-year-old is gonna <laughs> do is gonna do a Jamaican accent. R.I.P. By the way, he died. Did he really? Uh-huh. The crab did. Holy shit! The both the crab and the actor
2: of the crab. Who was the actor?
1: I think his biggest accolade would probably be being Sebastian. Yeah. Oh. So
2: yeah, he may have done some Shakespeare or <laughs> something, but Little Mermaid will forever be.
1: Yeah, it's probably his biggest payday. You got a costume lined up for yourself? No. An Amazon box is always a good one.
0: Uh, maybe I'll be a sexy Peter Griffin. <laughs> Again? Yeah. Hey, uh, you it's know, always <laughs> a safe bet. Sexy. Hey, you
1: have the costume. Uh, funny S- story. Oh, la, la. <laughs> one of my coworkers, uh, her and her friends are going as the a sexy version of the demons from Hellraiser. No. Shut up. Cinebites. She told me was the name of what they're called. Okay.
2: Yeah. So she listened, or you were talking about Hellraiser.
1: I had mentioned Hellraiser, and she lost her mind. And then she immediately texted me and showed me her costume, which like looked fucking awesome. Um,
0: so, yeah. So. so
2: there are people who like love the Hellraiser series.
0: So I think For that... For them to make nine movies, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there's just so... Cheap to make because they have the <laughs> yeah, costumes you know already. What? You
1: don't make nine movies if you don't have at least a tiny bit of a fan base. <laughs> somewhere. Well, talk to the uh,
2: <laughs> Fast and the Furious crew. People fucking love that movie, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah that's like, bad, it bad makes example. like billions of dollars. Yeah, so
0: that's
1: well, it. Yeah, Land Before Time is a better example. There's like eleven Land Before Times. So mm-hmm. Nobody's. Landed. I was trying
2: to think of other movie franchises that have like way too many sequels. Definitely like Airbud. Uh, yeah, Air Bud, for sure. Anna Green Gables. I've never... I don't know if that's
1: true. Emanuela. Uh, look up... Yeah, movie with most sequels. So that you, that's
2: what you Googled. Oh, the Halloween series, sure. Nightmare, Nightmare on
0: Elm oh, Street. Oh, yeah, you Planet of the Apes. Nobody's a Planet of the Apes fan. Uh, I mean, it's, I it's not bad. Coming You're... in at number seven, Nightmare on Elm Street has nine films. Okay. Okay. Halloween, eleven films. That makes sense. They're all wow. horror movies. Nope. Star Trek in at, in at number five with thirteen films. That makes sense. I it for, does. I forgot about Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, Batman, fourteen films. There's Fourteen Batman films?
2: That's wild. Oh, I guess. But but I don't. Is, I don't
0: really think about them as like one. No, because it's not a continual story or continual franchise. they like rebooted. Yeah. Right? All the time. Also, are they counting animated? We'll I find know. out. I guess. They're counting Marvel Cinematic Universe as sequential movies and sequels. Oh, get the fuck out of here. This list is dumb then. James Bond, twenty six. Oh, that makes Duh. a lot of sense. That's yeah. only number two though. We've got a number one, which Star is Star Wars. Godzilla. Godzilla. 35. Holy shit. Okay. Again, not necessarily I, well, sequels. That's true, because These aren't it's like spiritual like... sequels. Oh, although, I would call although, James Bond a sequel though.
1: Although Godzilla is more linear than Batman. Like they only reboot a couple <laughs> times. Like There's, that's not true. They only no. reboot Godzilla a couple times. No, no, no. Of that of that like thirty five, a lot of those are just sixties, seventies, eighties movies of like not having a television show. So they're like, Oh, Godzilla fights Mothra now. Godzilla fights Mecha Mechaz- Godzilla. Godzilla fights like that's what those movies are. And then when they get into our time, the two thousands, they start rebooting.
2: Yeah because you have the uh one that what's yeah, his Yeah uh, Ro-
0: he fights Rodan and then uh <laughs> and then
2: he fights uh Charles Barkley and then he fights uh no who do what was the one from 1999 that was uh Matthew Broderick that, so that was like the big
0: reboot that happened and then we And had then the... there was the Puff Daddy Led Zeppelin yeah. rip off song right? Yep. Come with
2: me. Yeah dun 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 Which okay Da-na-na.
0: okay can you guys name
1: I looked this up today. I don't know why. Name as many bands as you can from that soundtrack because
2: i'm about to blow your mind is there a lot let me guess was aerosmith on there no oh wow 1989 was a big year for aerosmith
0: i'm gonna guess it's all puff daddy okay corn
2: Nope. this is good guesses okay so, so
1: that's puff daddy and jimmy page is that song silver is on the soundtrack okay makes sense foo fighters yep green day mm-hmm the wallflowers
0: so not cohesive at all. Rage Against the Machine and Jamiroquai. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Like everyone who is famous, none of these songs yeah. were in the movies. They just plucked people from TRL.
1: Oh, and, and, just... and get this too. The Green Day song is the Godzilla edit, mm-hmm. which I, if you remember this, it has like a Godzilla roar after the like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. like where's my mind? It's after like, uh, oh. wake me up. <laughs> when,
2: december, when december ends or whatever something, something i don't know <laughs> fucking with i don't know what that that's what line
0: do you want to be an american kaiju there bye first issue club is brought to you by boulevard brewing company via space camper cosmic ipa our music is courtesy of the fine folks at primary color music you can find friend and follow us on social media at first issue club or firstissueclub.com you can support First Issue Club by joining us on our Patreon for additional content at patreon.com firstissueclub.